Hello and welcome to Sounding Out Horsham. I'm Anna. And I'm Emma. And as you might have guessed from the intro music, this episode is going to be a little bit darker than usual. Horsham is a town with a long and interesting history, so we thought it must have some skeletons in its closet and surely a few spooky stories that we could recount in time for Halloween. As you'll find out, there are indeed some eerie anecdotes that we've managed to unearth from Horsham's colourful past, including an intriguing tale surrounding a nasty punishment. In 1735, Horsham was the last place in England to torture a man by pressing. This grim punishment, which was designed to get a confession, also has a mysterious ending. And have you ever been into St Leonard's Forest and felt a presence? You wouldn't be alone if you had. There are reports going back many years noting sightings of dragons and headless ghosts in the forest. In a pamphlet published in 1614, there's a detailed description from three people who lived near Faygate. They described seeing a serpent or a dragon. They said it measured about nine foot long and left a slimy trail behind it. It was also believed to spit venom and there are claims the creature killed two people and two dogs. And there is another tale linked to the dragon and Saint Leonard, a French hermit who took refuge in the forest and ended up in a battle with the monster, as well as others about headless ghosts being seen in the same place. We will leave our guest, George Graham, assistant curator at Horsham Museum, to tell us more. So we're here at Horsham Museum and uh, we're here with assistant curator George Graham. Thanks for having us. Thanks for Um, having me. And so we know that Horsham was the last place where a person was tortured to death by pressing, which sounds pretty gruesome in itself, Um, but there's kind of a little bit more of a spooky story linked to this, isn't there? Yes, so so this took place in, in 1735 and around this time Horsham had a a jail and was one of the locations where you'd try prisoners in court. Um, so the man in question was John Weeks, who lived in Fittleworth near Petworth, not far from Horsham. And he had been involved in a, a burglary and a murder um, of a young woman in Fittleworth. Him and some accomplices um, brought a child to this house to burgle. The child snuck in through a window so that he could go and, and open the door and let them all in. Um, there was a young woman in the house. Her mother was out. Uh, she was a nurse in town, so she was away for the evening. Um, and she heard them come in and she came downstairs um, where she was attacked and held down and had her throat cut. She was brutally murdered uh, by this gang that had come into her house, essentially. Um, so eventually there was a, a search and um, the the criminals were caught uh, and the young boy was convinced to confess. So it all came out from this boy. He was their weak link. Um, so two of the accomplices, John Weeks, uh, confessed to the crime and were hung. Um, but John Weeks, uh, when it came his time to stand trial, he normally asks you, you know, are you guilty or not guilty? And he stood silent and refused to say anything at all. Um, so the reason that you might do this in, uh, in a court is because if you refuse to testify, the court doesn't consider you under its jurisdiction. Um, and as a result of that, it can't find you guilty. And the court wanted to find him guilty so that it could claim his possessions, um, which was how the law worked at the time. Um, but John Weeks had a, a wife and child at home, and he could protect them by refusing to testify 
and therefore they, they would sort of be protected. But obviously the court didn't want that, and the court had something it could do, uh, which was essentially threaten him with torture. So they, they threatened him with what they called um, pain forte et dure, which is um, it's a French term for basically a hard and severe punishment. And they mm. sent him away and gave him some time to think about it for a day or two, um, but he, he refused to speak still. Um, and so the punishment was carried out. Uh, so this is essentially torture by crushing. Um, so they carried it out in public view, so it was done in the jail yard. He was laid on his back on the ground. He sort of spread-eagled his arms and legs out, uh, which were then hammered into the, into the ground, sort of attached to, to pins. Um, and then the sort of, a, I think it was a jail door they used, was placed over him. And then one by one, the jailer placed 100 weights, which is 100 pound weight, onto this door. Mm. He placed one, then he placed another, um, and eventually about 400 pounds were placed onto this, onto this man. Um, and the crowd and the jailer could see that at this point that he was visibly in his death throes. He was sort of at the edge of death. Uh, and so at this point, the jailer decided to finish him off and he, he jumped onto the door and, and killed him instantly. How long did the whole torture last? How long would he lie there? And how long did they wait between putting a stone and the next stone? So the intention is that he could have lied there for days, perhaps, mm. um, because of the the idea behind this torture was to get him to confess. So it wasn't actually a, it wasn't necessarily an execution outright. And obviously there was quite a big crowd there, so they'd have wanted to make a, a bit of a show of it, really. Um, and apparently there were enough people there that people were bustling for positions. There were sort of children trying to trying to sneak a peek, sort of mm. get through the crowd. But it was a it was a dense, heavy crowd. It was a, a big event. Where was this in in Horsham? Was so the jail at the time in, in 1735, there were a number of jails in Horsham's history. At this point, it was in the Carfax, um, roughly where the post office used to be, if lots of people remember that. So yes, quite a public place. So there would have been lots of people jostling to see. He was a bit outside uh, yeah. the jail. Um, it's pretty gruesome, isn't it? So that he was jumped He was jumped to kill and he, he died instantly, didn't yes, he? Yes, yeah, I mean, he jumped on and that, yeah. that finished him off, yeah. Ooh. So, um, what then happens to his his body? So, um, prisoners that were sort of condemned criminals at the time were, were buried down near St Mary's Church at the end of the causeway. Um, so the jailer, or the uh, executioner, it was the same person, um, put him into a wheelbarrow and carted his body down, down through the Carfax, down towards um, St Mary's Church. Uh, what actually happened on this journey, well, there are two different accounts of the, of the story. Um, so either the wheelbarrow hit a, a sort of rut in the road and, and John Weeks's body was, was dropped and knocked out of the wheelbarrow onto the ground where he was sort of tumbled back in and uh, carried on his journey. Uh, another version of the story is that um, the executioner saw a light on at the, the Crown pub and uh, tucked the body down into a side alley for a bit and went and had a pint uh, before carrying on down to, uh, to bury the body at the <laughs> church. Yeah. And was that the, that, is that the crown that still yeah, exists? Yeah, so it would be the town. same the same the place crown. where the oh, crown oh, is okay. now. So um, some of the stories say the King's Head, which is um, sort of the other side where Ask Italian is now. One of the two pubs. One of the two pubs, oh, yeah. and they still have the same names. That's incredible. So he's had a hideous death, and then his body's, before it's been taken off to be buried, it's just, yeah, I don't know, it's been treated without any respect. Of, yeah, yeah. And so he would have, the executioner, would they be responsible for for doing the burial as well? Um, I don't think he would have buried him. It was it was more of a transport job. 
Would he be buried? <laughs> he was. He was buried. He yes. Be, yeah. um, there was a there was a sort of a separate area um, in the in the graveyard for criminals, which I think okay. was. I think at one point in history they were um, sort of exhumed and moved somewhere else later. But uh, is yeah. that still there? That sounds a bit spooky. Uh, the area is still there, but I, I can't um, mm. can't remember precisely which corner of the graveyard it was. But it All doesn't right. it doesn't end there, does it? This well, this no. Tale, really. um, it seems like perhaps the the ghost of John Weeks saw his body being uh, handled very poorly, and. Uh, and a few days later, the executioner who dropped him was walking past the exact same spot where he dropped the body, and uh, and he himself dropped dead with no explanation um, on that exact spot. Wow. He wasn't ill or uh, had literally just dropped down dead no, on just... that spot where he'd been up to go and have his pint. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just collapsed on the it's... spot, yeah, with no explanation. Mm. Yeah. And what accounts do we have of this event? How do we know that this happened, really? Are there written accounts of it? Yeah, so... A good source we have is uh, a chap called William Albury who wrote all, all sorts of hit, sort of history on different topics in around Horsham. Um, and one of the topics he wrote was the history of Horsham Jail, um, and it's it's recounted uh, with him and then uh, a number of other stories um, you hear as well. Which is why you get different versions of the story because obviously part of it's word of mouth mm-hmm. spreading around. Um, but almost certainly something like that did happen because it's it's coming from lots of different sources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has anyone seen, have there been any reports of sites of the ghost of John Weeks or of the execution or any other events happening in that spot? Was it just that he had, a, he had beef with the Yeah, with it the sounds like um, once, he had, once he had the ghost of John Weeks had done away with the executioner, his, uh, his unfinished work was done because mm. there's been no sightings or, or tales of, of that specific ghost um, around the pubs either. And Horsham was the, was the last place to have this crushing or pressing mm-hmm. why was Horsham the last place so around this period Horsham was quite an important town in the area for law and order it's where you'd have the assizes which is the the most serious court that we had at the time right. so you know you'd have murderers and, and treasonists and, and everyone so it was it was probably a bit of a coincidence that you know it could have happened at another another large court area people already considered it quite barbaric at this point um, but it wasn't until I think it was 1779 that it was actually made illegal you couldn't do it anymore but it just seems like society in general was was more barbaric in, in different ways, coming back to the crime and, and John Weeks. He cut this lady's throat. Allegedly, we don't Allegedly. know. Allegedly. Yeah. What do we do around the crime? How old was he, etc.? There's not an awful lot that I know about him as a person. Um, he was part of a sort of small gang of um, around three or four of them broke into this house. So, uh, And they ransacked the place and, and robbed it afterwards. And that was how they um, sort of knew he was guilty, because they found some of the possessions from the house. Uh, on him as well as some blood, which he can explain. Um, so he probably was guilty of the crime. The key thing that we do know about him was that he had a family who he was trying to protect by not testifying in in the court. But yes, it was probably just a it was just a burglary that that sort of went a bit wrong. That went wrong. Yeah. And would there be other similarly barbaric forms of punishment happening in in Horsham at that point? Um, were there witch trials? Um, that was probably a bit earlier, but um, what yeah. would have happened? So, um, essentially, crime and punishment worked differently around that time to it does now. It wasn't until around the turn of, of the century, sort of around 1800, that the attitudes changed. So at that point, the idea of punishment was, was a physical punishment. So you wouldn't lock people up in jail for 20 years like we do now and try and rehabilitate them. The, those concepts didn't exist. So whippings and the stocks were common punishments. 
And these were sometimes fatal punishments as well. You know, people would be throwing things at you in the stocks um, and people were killed that way. The stocks that are still in the car. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. 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 So that's where it would have taken place. Um, yes. And um, an execution was very common. It was, it was um, usually it would be hanging for that sort of crime. But um, there were rare instances of burning, which was mainly for sort of treason and heresy. So it, it didn't happen very often, but it did happen in Horsham. And beheadings, I think, occasionally happened as well. So what would be the worst punishment and for what crime would you get that? Um, so I think burning was probably the worst burning, that you yes, could get. So that was that was for um, treason. So that included um, murdering your husband or wife. Um, so the, the time that I'm aware of that it happened in Horsham was a young woman called Anne Whale, uh, who was burnt at the stake, uh, along with her co-conspirator Sarah Pledge, who was hung. And they together conspired to kill Anne Whale's husband, James Whale, because they could get an inheritance of about £80. Uh, so this took place in around uh, 1752. Sarah Pledge moved in with her, her cousin and, and convinced Anne Whale to kill him. So she uh, initially she made a, a poison by cooking up spiders, hoping to put that in James's beer, um, which she did. Uh, but it didn't work at all. He, he was completely fine. Um, so then Sarah Pledge went to the, the local sort of shop and bought some rat poison and then put that in his dinner. And that killed him. Um, and they were actually caught because their landlord popped by to the same shop a bit later, a year or so later, and the, uh, the shopkeeper said, oh, how's your rat problem? Is it, has it been solved? And he was sort of said, I didn't know we had a rat problem, but he knew that James Whale had been killed mm. by poison. Uh, uh, so he put the dots together. But and, a year uh, or so later, so that was... Well, it was a year or so between the crime and the execution, so it might not have been quite a year later oh, that he... Um, I thought they probably got away with it. Yeah, well, they nearly did. I, I think James Whale was buried and they sort of exhumed the body to inspect it to see that to find the the evidence of the poison um so yes so the women were were sent to to the jail and uh sarah pledge was hung for conspiracy but because anne whale had killed her husband Mm. she was burnt for treason essentially which was um, considered murdering her husband to be treason did they exhume the body a year after at the end of 18th century, that that just sounds incredible that they could do that back then. Well, it might not have been a whole year that they exhumed the body. It was a year until the execution. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it would have been a fairly gruesome experience. Yeah. How would people even dare to commit crimes with all these horrific punishments? It didn't Um, seem to work as a deterrent. Yes, but they they did. Um, And Horsham was not necessarily a hotbed for crime, but um, it was quite a busy town. Um, it was sort of on a, on a crossroads, so um, quite a lot of people were coming and going. That's one of the reasons that um, we have the assizes and, and the jail here was that it was quite a good place to be trying criminals because that's sort of where they were. So in what sort of area was Horsham then the main, the main city? How far out did it stretch at the time geographically? So um, essentially in terms of crime, the assizes would have covered the entirety of Sussex including East Sussex. Lewis also had the SIs at various points as well, so that was the other big town. Um, geographically, the earth in Sussex is quite soft, so before you have proper roads, it became quite difficult to travel at certain times of the year just because it was sort of clay mm. mud that you'd be travelling through, oh, but Horsham's kind of on the edge of that. So when you have the SIs, you get a judge from Westminster to travel down, which at various points in history was quite a perilous thing to do anyway, and you'd be, he'd be escorted... To, through each county by the sheriff and an armed guard. So he probably wouldn't have wanted to go much further into Sussex than Horsham because he doesn't want to be sort of dragging his... Of course. ...his coach through mud. All right. 
So in that respect, would it then be more a more important city yeah. than, say, Worthing and Brighton? Yeah, at this point, Horsham was one of the bigger, the sort of more important market towns in the area. And Worthing and Brighton would have been important in their own ways, but... Um, of course, yeah. And as it was such an important place for these punishments and, and death sentences, um, people were obviously in the town dying in quite gruesome ways. Have there been any reports of sightings of ghosts or hauntings due to this sort of traumatic ending for people? So what happened quite commonly in Horsham was uh, it was quite a good area for smugglers to um, come to so that they could distribute their goods throughout the country. So it was quite a a sort of hotbed for smugglers. Um, So they would come up from the coast uh, around Horsham and near Horsham is St Leonard's Forest. And if you know St. Leonard's Forest, it's quite, even today, quite sort of dark and a bit mysterious. I think as a child, my dad took me there and we got lost more than one time. Um, and sort of 300 years or so ago, it would have been even darker and, um, and even more mysterious, really. So this is where the smugglers would have been travelling through to avoid the, the town so that they wouldn't get caught by the authorities. Um, and in this forest, on a number of occasions, there were battles between smugglers and, and law keepers. Oh and other sort of um, events where smugglers would supposedly have got their horse trapped in a lake and drowned. And so you get lots of stories of, of ghosts in this area. Mm. And it's a, it's a good area for it because it's spooky anyway. You've mm. got all these dead people. and You might even stumble across a, a smuggler's body. Um, but also the smugglers would want to keep people out of the forest so they could do their work unseen. So they would spread the ghost stories even more to try and keep people away. Um, so lots of the ghost stories are sort of focused around the outskirts of Horsham right. uh, in these sort of darker and mysterious places. Yes, and then the forest as well, we've heard that people seeing dragons and monsters. Were those kind of myths perpetuated by those smugglers? Absolutely. So um, there was quite a famous uh, account of a dragon from 1614, where it was published in a sort of local news outlet. And um, it's a really good story, and it's got quite a vivid description of this dragon. Um, Supposedly it's killed people. It lists three or four witnesses who have personally seen the dragon. And of course, it's not impossible that there was a, a large snake or something that was inspiring these stories. But it's also quite likely that smugglers would be spreading these stories around as a way to keep people out of the forest. What sort of time are we talking about? Uh, the 1600s was the story of the dragon. Oh, um, right. But the smugglers would have, any time from around 1600, the smugglers were quite prominent um, going into the, the 18th century as well. And are there reports of sightings of a, of a dragon? Is anyone, or were they just tales? Are there anything kind of documented? Yeah. So the, the tales of, of dragons in, around Horsham go back to um, to St. Leonard, whom St. Leonard's Forest is obviously named after. Uh, so he was a French hermit around um, uh, sort of the 6th century. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that he came to Sussex from France uh, to attempt to convert the population of Sussex to Christianity. But he found the people of Sussex to be quite stubborn Uh, And he was having quite a hard time of it. Uh, So he got a bit stroppy and sort of uh, removed himself to the forest to have some alone time and uh, and get away with everything. It's quite a nice place to go and de-stress. Well, well, that's what you'd think. But um, but whilst he was there, uh, he was plagued by nightingales singing, which was disturbing his prayers. And local people knocking on his door because there were these serpents. They called them knuckers, which is sort of a Saxon word for dragon. Um, plaguing the forest and sort of coming into their towns and things so they kept asking him can you please sort this problem out with these dragons so he couldn't get any praying done at all essentially he was being bothered by nightingales by people Um, so in the end he decided to to take up arms and and go and rid the forest of these knuckers the dragons Um, which he did very successfully and and this culminated in a, a vicious battle between him and a giant dragon 
were much larger than any of the others, uh, in which he was grievously wounded, um, but he slew the dragon, believed mm. to be the last dragon in England, um, according to sort of local folklore. Mm. Um, mm. That's and, last things happening yeah. in Horsham. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but um, as a reward for killing this dragon, God spoke to him and said, what would you like? And he said, uh, he said, I'd like the nightingales to please stop singing. <laughs> uh, and he also, he wanted to be remembered as, uh, as kind of a hero. And God granted the first wish because it was sort of selfless. It was to do with prayer, but he didn't grant him the, the second wish. He wa- well, he wanted to drive all the, all the adders out of the forest as well, but God didn't, didn't grant the adders wish. But um, apparently the nightingales don't sing in St. Leonard's Forest. It's sort of where that, uh, that tale comes oh, yeah. from. And, so, and is there any, anything else that found in the... In the outskirts, in those woods, to the dragon, as St. Leonard got rid of those. But um, maybe the ghosts. What, what were the ghosts yeah. like? Um, so I know there's certainly a story of a, a headless ghost who was a smuggler who um, had his head blown off by a, a lawkeeper with a, a blunderbuss or, or a shotgun or something. Um, and he supposedly sort of carries on haunting the area, uh, as well as um, in the lakes as well. Supposedly there's ghosts of smugglers who drowned and. Um, mm. What were they smuggling, the smugglers? At Usually the time? alcohol. Um, alcohol. Yeah. Was there a need to smuggle it? Was this was well, it was, a prohibition at the time? Was it wasn't it? that it was pro. It was just it was heavily taxed if you if you imported it the proper way. So okay. if you if you smuggled it in, you could get a lot more money. So where were they smuggled from and to? Uh, so it would, be, it would be coming from the continent, um, and they would just they would be bringing it inland to where they got to Horsham, and it would be distributed to wherever they uh, mm. wherever they had contacts all over mm. the place. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. So the pubs, then it would be local beer that people would drink here and then they would bring in other sorts of... They would smuggle in other sorts of spirits from the continent. Yeah, absolutely, yes. yeah. So beer was beer was a very common drink. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, sort of generally you hear stories of people drinking more beer than they drank water because it was cleaner. And um, Yeah. But, um, yeah, certainly if, you're, if you wanted spirits, then, then you'd be talking about quite a lot of money. So smuggling that was a good way to, yeah, a good way to get it. Probably needed all that alcohol with the uh, <laughs> all the horrendous things that <laughs> yes. actually happened to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, smuggling itself was a very perilous thing to do. Um, you would have been executed if you were caught smuggling as well. Oh, so, um, oh, so they were taking oh, a big risk for, right. for it. Yeah. I'm glad we're living today and not then. <laughs> yes. So I can see. Yes. So if we now, I know we're talking about different years and different periods in time, but if we go back to the story we started with uh, that horrific execution, just mm-hmm. to get get a better feel for what Horsham was like at that time. Yeah. Would you be able to what what buildings or landmarks in Horsham are still here now that were here when that happened? Yeah, so a, a good way to to get a feel for the history of Horsham is when you're walking around Horsham town, certainly the Carfax and and then the town. Is if you look up and you look at the roofs because they give a lot away. In Horsham, you see quite distinctive stone roofs that we have. Um, and this was because, as I was talking a bit earlier about the, the ground in Sussex being bad, it was quite difficult to transport normal roofing materials to build roofs, so they just used what they had locally, which was the stone. So that's why we have, you see these stone roofs, and lots of them date from sort of the 16th century and uh, around that period. So if you look up, obviously you'll see some of the newer buildings, but you'll see some of the older buildings as well, and lots of the evidence left behind from the, the market town that Horsham was, and, and still is, really. Uh, in some ways, the town hasn't actually changed all that much. Um, historically, it would have been more of a, a coaching town. As I said, it was kind of on a, a crossroads because it was sort of on the edge of this bad for travelling in. Mm. So we've got lots of these big pubs, which would be coaching inns, um, with lots of land. So you'd have lots of people staying overnight and, and trading horses and, and feeding. So it was a busy, a busy sort of bustling town. 
And how many people, so say 1735, my, my reference year just now, sure. how many people were actually living in Horsham at that time, do we know? I don't have a number. Lots of the people would be travelling through. Mm. Um, so the, the people yeah. here would be actually just... Yeah, lots of the business would be focused on, um, on the travellers and, the, and mm. the market and, and trading. And, and, and if the crime happened here in this in that in that area did they get tried in that same area or yeah so there were different um sort of grades of court depending on how serious your crime was so if it was a very small offense potentially your local landlord or just the local lord would be able to deal with it in the in the smaller courts the court elite or the um, court baron they were called um so you had then the sort of quarter sessions and the assizes which were the more serious courts so these would have taken place in um, the market hall in horsham or potentially down in Lewis, depending on when, when it was. So yes, potentially you'd have to be travelled quite a long way to get to your, your court. And also they only happened twice a year or four times a year, depending on the court. So you'd potentially be staying in prison up for up to six months, waiting for your trial, which is why we had these prisons. So as I said earlier, you wouldn't keep people in prison as a punishment, so they kept them in prison waiting for their trial. Okay. Um, so they will always get a physical punishment? Yeah, until, until around... Um, sort of the 1780s was um, was around the idea of prison reform mm-hmm. came about. So usually before that it would be a, a physical punishment, yeah. So you did say that the prison where John Weeks was kept, mm-hmm. that is the place where there used to be a post office. Yes. Yeah. Now there's probably now a hairdresser. We're I not in a time show, but it's, <laughs> it's in the Carfax. But then you said that there were two other prisons yes. in the Carfax? So the, the first those? prison was sort of on the corner of the Carfax towards the corner with North Street. So that was the, the older prison and eventually it was sort of deemed too small and uh, a bit run down, so they built the second prison, which is where John Weeks would have been held, which was also very poorly built. Um, so then around 1779, the county jail was built, um, which was a much larger, well-designed prison based on the newest and most modern ideas. Um, so there was a guy called Jonathan Howard who wrote a book about prison reform. He sort of he travelled around all the different jails in England and Wales and, and on the continent as well, and he published this book on how... Um, how bad the, the jails were and, mm. and gave a list of recommendations. So Horsham had one of the first prisons built on his new specification. So everyone had their own cells, so that was more difficult for people to conspire to escape. Okay. Um, and yes, there was quite a strict regime of sort of how to look after the prisoners so that they wouldn't sort of get too bored or get, you know, have opportunities to escape or, um, or be mistreated as well. It was sort of looking after the prisoners was part of it. Um, yes, he, he, and he visited Horsham shortly before his, his book was written and whilst he was there, he sort of noticed a pile of, of earth and rubble and sort of thought what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were digging a tunnel and were about to escape the next day. Oh. So, he, uh, yeah, so uh, it was quite evident that Horsham needed a new prison. And, um, and that's how it came about. Right. It's so fascinating. And then, so the pubs, we say at least two pubs that are here today yeah. existed back then. Are there other other landmarks like that they were apart from the roofs but specific buildings or specific things um well i was going to say the market hall the market hall was actually rebuilt in uh, i think it was 1888 but it was on the same spot as it as it would have been which is where the assizes and um, the courts were held and which building are we talking about now at the top of the causeway where bills the restaurant is now oh yeah Um, i mean that building itself is only uh, a little over 100 years old but there would have been a very similar building Mm. there before lots of the pubs are are a good one to look at because often pubs are old and are relatively well maintained and the causeway is a good road the museum that museum that we're in now of course we're standing in right now yeah so this is a medieval house and lots of this this street would have looked very similar back then to it does now 
So we're standing in one of Horsham's oldest buildings now, the Horsham Museum, where you're just about to start the new, a new, new permanent exhibition. Yes, absolutely. So the Crime and Punishment um, Gallery has just been redisplayed. Um, so it's been rewritten, um, and we've got some opportunities for children to be dressing up, and um, it's a bit more immersive. Um, so yes, it's a good time to visit the museum uh, with your family and, uh, and come and learn a bit more about Crime and Punishment and see what else we have. And can we find out more in this this gallery? There is more about the pressing. Yeah, so there's more about uh, the pressing as well as some other stories that we have, uh, sort of notable stories from Horsham's Crime and Punishment. Brilliant. Great to see it. Thank, Thank you. you, George. It's Thanks for having really me. Really good. Thank you. And uh, a little bit, a little bit eerie and uh, <laughs> and quite gruesome. Yeah, I'm just visualising everything, trying to imagine what society was like a hundred or a couple of hundred years ago. I I want to go and see the exhibition. <laughs> yes. yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you very much Thank for having you. me. Wow, Anna, that was our 18th episode. Yeah, can you believe it? We are so thankful for all the feedback we've had and to those of you who keep listening and who subscribe, despite the fact that the sound is perhaps a bit wonky at times, you make it worthwhile. Yes, and now we want to ask you something. If you enjoy our podcast, we would really appreciate if you could spread the word and tell other people all about it or by liking us on social media and sharing our posts. We've met so many fascinating individuals since we started Sounding Out Horsham and we'd love it if more people in the community could hear their stories. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Sounding Out Horsham. And of course, don't hesitate to get in touch.